Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash w-y-n-n-b-e-t This is your final futures preview for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. It's at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBetting.com. If you look at the pin tweet on that Twitter account, it is the PL for LockBetting.com, which has just delivered 113 months in a row of transparent track profit. If you sign up now, you will get the futures picks for this World Cup, and that's where I'll be making my picks every single day. And if you want to get all of my podcasts, simply subscribe to the Soccer Gambling Podcast, where I'll be now dropping a show every 48 hours, and I will cover every single game being played in this tournament. So we've done all of our group previews. We ran through all eight groups that extensively covered a vast majority of the futures, but we are here to look at the outright winner's market. We are also going to look at the top goal scorer market. And we would try and figure out this tournament and look at a potential stage of elimination for some of the bigger teams here contesting this year's World Cup. We begin with the outright winner market, though, where Brazil are the favourites. They have been the favourites since this market opened, probably because of the squad depth that they have and also because of the climate. There is this narrative that with the World Cup being played in November in the Qatari winter, that that is somewhat of a leveller for the European sides and sides that play in more normalised climates. That is not necessarily the case, despite the fact that it's not 
dangerous weather conditions now with us not playing this World Cup in June or July like we normally do. It's still going to be very, very hot, particularly during the daytime games. Those games that are going to be airing at 10am here in the UK where we're going to get up and there's going to be football on straight away. It's going to be on at 5am for you guys in the East Coast and 2am in the West Coast. So you may be watching these games before you go to bed and then uh, getting up and maybe catching a game when you wake up in the morning and probably sleeping through the two games in the middle. I guess that would be the most logical way to follow this if you are watching on the West Coast. As for the East Coast, I guess if you're proper into soccer, you'd probably get yourself an early night and you'd wake up at 5am in the morning or you could probably skip that first game and start your viewing at 8am with the second game. So essentially, getting back to my point, there are a lot of variables here that all of these teams need to take on. And I think the combination of Brazil having this super strong squad, not necessarily the strongest 11, but without a doubt, a super strong squad, which has become very, very important across the board in football, whether it be teams competing for their domestic title, whether it be teams going for the Champions League. And especially when you're looking at these countries playing so many games in the space of a month, you will need a deep squad and Brazil have the deepest. Plus the fact that they are able to adjust to this climate. I think all of this has been factored in. The bookies haven't really fallen for this narrative where it's going to be a leveller because it's not going to be a leveller. The South American teams and the African teams even will have an advantage here. And ultimately, they've arrived at the conclusion that Brazil are the favourites here and the worthy favourites at the price of 4-1. to one. Now, the second favourites to win this competition are Argentina. Argentina have been backed all the way in from 11-1 to one, and they currently sit at 6-1 to one here in the market best price. Um, they are more widely available five and a half to one or 11 to two. This is because of their unbeaten run where they can break the world record for the longest unbeaten run, a run that was only just set by Italy at 37 games. They can break this in their second game so they can level it in their opener by simply not losing to Saudi Arabia and they can break it by remaining undefeated against Mexico. Now, these are two games that I would expect this team to win. They come into this off the back of a 5-0 friendly win against the UAE. They come in off the back of uh, winning the Copa America last year and that ended a 28-year drought, which is unthinkable when you think of the quality players that Argentina have. And when you look at the Copa America, essentially being a two-horse race in the eyes of many people between Brazil and Argentina, yet we've allowed the likes of Uruguay and Chile to sneak in there and win Copa Americas before Argentina won one again. So a 28-year drought was ended. This was Messi's first major trophy as an international. And now he's looking for another one. And this could be the final World Cup that he plays in. So his last chance to win a World Cup. And he comes into this in red hot form, which is only aiding towards Argentina's case and is aiding towards people piling on the money here. If you took Argentina at 11 to 1 at around about January, February time, you are laughing because you can already cash that bet. 
let out for a significant profit, especially if you bet on betting exchanges. So it's looking good for Argentina. And for me, they are a serious contender here to Brazil. In fact, if I'm being honest with you, I can't really see past the first two teams. Yes, there are some strong European teams here, including France, the current world champions. They come in next at a price of six to one. But they are moving out and they have a long list of injuries that's getting even longer. It looks like they're about to lose Karen Benzema. They lost Christopher and Cuckoo last week. They already came into the tournament knowing they were going to be without Kante and Pogba. And they are their two starting midfield players. And they've been massively inconsistent since winning the last World Cup. They were knocked out of Euro 2020 by Switzerland. And a lot of the fans want Didier Deschamps gone, even though he is a World Cup winning manager who's bringing them here to this World Cup to defend their trophy. Ultimately, I don't think they will. I think they could even face a situation where they don't win their group, which would mean that we could see an Argentina versus France rematch, a rematch from one of the best games at the 2018 World Cup as early as the last 16. Now, that would be bad for both of them. It'd be bad for Argentina backers and obviously it'd be bad for France backers as well. I do feel that Argentina, the way they're playing at the moment, will get through that tie. But if you want to back Argentina to win this tournament, you don't want to see France in the round of 16. And of course, that can happen if either team doesn't win their group. And I think France have a far better chance of failing to win their group, given that they are drawn against Denmark, who come into this tournament in good form. They put out a very, very good team performance across the board at Euro 2020, recovering from a very, very unnerving situation in the opening game where obviously Christian Eriksen had that cardiac issue. They lost that first game, which was their easiest game on paper to Finland. They looked like a team who were going home and uh, somehow they turned it round. They turned it round. They played for Christian Eriksen. They came together as a team and they got all the way to the semi-final where they were only beaten by England in extra time after a penalty was given to England. Harry Kane actually missed the penalty and scored the rebound and that meant that England got through to the final and Denmark didn't. But they did that without Christian Eriksen, who is still their best player and probably their only world-class player in that Denmark team. But I still feel they have a chance of uh, winning this group that they're in with France and giving France a very difficult task to uh, defend their trophy or even get through to the quarterfinals. Next up, we have England, 9-1. to England have moved out significantly as well. That's because they haven't won a single game in 2022. And they were very, very happy initially when they were joining this group. But the more you examine this group, Group B, the more it looks less and less like a cakewalk. Um, Iran are going to be very, very difficult to break down. If you look at their results in World Cups historically, no one has really handed Iran a significant beating. And they're going to come in and they're going to park the bus in that opening game. And England are going to have to break them down. And they're going to have to break them down in the heat. And you would imagine that Iran are much more used to playing in that heat than England. So it's going to be a frustrating afternoon to start with. Then you have the game against USA. And for me, despite the fact that that's being very, very hyped up here on the Sports Gambling Podcast, because, of course, this is an American podcast and we have some Brits working on here now um, covering soccer. Ultimately, I do think that represents England's best chance of winning a game and looking good in this group. And then that final game is up against Wales. 
Historically, England just seemed to play down to fellow British opponents. They struggled at Euro 2020 against Scotland. That was a nil-nil draw, despite the vast gap in quality between England and Scotland. England just couldn't break them down. It was one of the worst games of the tournament. In fact, it was England's worst performance of the tournament. And um, and yeah, I could see the same thing happening here against Wales. Initially, my thoughts were that Wales had an advantage in this group uh, because they were playing England last and England should go into that game with six points. And I still think that would be the case. But ultimately, I don't think England are going to look strong in this opening game. A lot of people are picking England to win that game 1-0. And I do think that could be the correct score. Something along those lines where England, as I said, will have to park the, uh, have to break down a parked bus from Iran and try to, uh, and try to squeeze through that opening game in the heat before playing USA on the Friday, I do think England will get through. I don't think they're going to look particularly good. I don't think they're going to be particularly convincing. They then go through to play the um, the runner-up in Group A, providing they win Group B, which would be either Qatar, if corruption hits and uh, enough money changes hands from the rumours that we hear. Senegal, who are the African nation's champions, but they come into this without Sadio Mane. And Ecuador, a very talented but young team who you would think England would be able to overcome. Then that would put England into a potential quarterfinal where they would either play France or Denmark, in my opinion. Denmark, who they narrowly knocked out at the Euros in the uh, semi-final stage, or France, if everything goes according to the personnel in the team. And France would be a very, very tricky tie. But when you're looking at the England-France quarterfinal, it's interesting because you have two teams coming in here with significant doubts and question marks over them. Yet, if they win the group, they are on a collision course to play each other. And I think a semi-final appearance for either one of these two teams would be respectable. But I think if England do end up playing Denmark and getting through to the semi-final, then once again, Gareth Southgate has been gifted another path to a semi-final. And that's the big issue that I have with England because a lot has been made of Gareth Southgate and how he's been such a successful manager. Well, he's been gifted a path where he's been the favourite in every single game that he's won at these tournaments. The only time England were an underdog, they lost. And that was against Belgium in the group stage in 2018. Otherwise, they've been a favourite in every single game in 2018. They're a favourite against Colombia. They're a favourite against Sweden. And they were a favourite to win the semi-final against Croatia, which they lost. Fast forward into the Euros. They were the favourites in every single one of their group games in a weak group where everything was played at Wembley. So obviously, England were strong favourites in every single one of those group games. They were favourites in every game after that as well in the knockout stage. Narrow favourites against Germany in the last 16 and narrow favourites in the final against Italy. But nonetheless, they were favourites to win every single one of those games. They were gifted a very, very kind path to a potential trophy and they ended up losing that game against Italy after scoring the opening goal through Luke Shaw. After just three minutes, Gareth Southgate decided to sit on that lead for 87 minutes. This is an England team that have a lot of quality. This is an England team that should challenge for a World Cup. This is an England team that have a great chance if 
they weren't managed by Gareth Southgate. And we have some top quality managers available that could have led England into this tournament. Pochettino's been available for a while. Thomas Tuchel has recently become available. And um, England could have made that change, especially after a disastrous Nation League, Nations League campaign. But obviously, Southgate has credit in the bank. He is on paper the most successful manager that England have had since Alf Ramsey won the World Cup. So ultimately, he was unsackable. Let's see if that remains the case, depending on how England do in this tournament. Obviously, a group exit would be the end of Gareth Southgate, but I think anything better than a quarterfinal would keep him in the job for another tournament. After England, we have Spain. Spain's issue is going to be the normal issue that Spain have. Since David Villa, they haven't had an out-and-out goalscorer. They're coming into this tournament once again with Morata leading the line. I think at some point you're going to have to gamble on Fernand Torres. I think you're going to need goals from players like Ansu Fati. Despite the fact he's not a regular starter for Barcelona, I believe that putting him in as a wild card and giving him some game time at this World Cup will be better for you if you're Spain rather than trying to win these games by dominating ball possession and not allowing your opponents expected goals and just suffocating them with your with your football and ultimately eventually scoring a goal. That's not going to work when Spain come up against top opposition and they'll be tested immediately in the group by the Germans. Spain here available at 9-1 to with Germany just behind them here at 10-1. to Germany's problem is the opposite to Spain. They're not very defensively competent. Hansi Flick will have to put out an absolute master plan here in order to navigate a World Cup victory for Germany. Given this backline, yes, they have Antonio Rudiger at the back and they have Manuel Neuer behind him, but ultimately the rest of the defence you probably haven't heard of. They have good players in midfield when you're looking at the line of Gundogan and Kimmich and um, Musiala, who could be one of the breakout players of the tournament. Up top, you've got the likes of Muller, Gnabry and uh, Leroy Sane. No out-and-out striker there. They have taken some, but they are um, players from the Bundesliga who aren't exactly prolific. So there could be a centre-forward issue here for Germany. I don't think so. I think they have enough goals without one. Bayern Munich don't now play with a with an out-and-out centre-forward. They have managed to get something out of Chupa Moting in the absence of Lewandowski, but they didn't sign that number nine and are still being linked to Cristiano Ronaldo. But they've managed, and I think Germany will manage in that part of the pitch. It's their back line where I have huge question marks over. Up next, we have the Netherlands at 12 to 1. They absolutely sailed through their Nations League group. They finished ahead of Belgium. Louis van Gaal is undefeated since taking over as the Holland manager. And he's had pedigree, he has pedigree from before after another successful World Cup with the Netherlands. They are my dark horses here. Under them, you have Belgium at 16 to 1. That's the same price you have on Portugal. I think Portugal are far stronger than Belgium. I think it's too late now for the golden generation. This was a Belgian team who was supposed to win a World Cup. The plethora of names that have passed through this country over the last eight years should have delivered. When you look at the likes of Courtois, Company, Vermaelen, Vertonghen, Alder Wilder, Tielemans, Hazard, Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Mertens, but it hasn't happened. They haven't delivered that World Cup. They haven't delivered that European Championship. And I think this could be a, a very early exit for Belgium. I think they will get past the group stage, although it would not surprise me if they don't because it's a tough group. But I think either Spain or Germany will dispose of them in the round of 16. 
Portugal, they come in with a Ronaldo problem. They're absolutely stacked with talent from top to bottom. When you're looking at the likes of Diaz and Cancelo and Bruno Fernandes and Jao Felix, but Cristiano Ronaldo is still the striker. And when you play Cristiano Ronaldo, you play for Cristiano Ronaldo, you play around Cristiano Ronaldo. And I believe that will be a handicap for Portugal, unless at some point they make the decision and they come up against an opponent and they say, we've got here so far, we haven't looked good. What we're doing isn't really working. And if we want to go any further in this tournament, we need to make that change mid-tournament. Now, I feel that will be a moment that comes and I feel that will be a decision that needs to be made. I could be wrong. Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo is absolutely fired up. They find a way to play around him and um, he bangs in a hat-trick in the group stage and he's on course to be the top goal scorer. That wouldn't surprise me because that has been Cristiano Ronaldo's career. He is delivered at every single point. This is obviously the most adversity and criticism that he faced. He brought that on himself by doing a stupid interview with Piers Morgan just a week before the World Cup. He bought all of that on himself. But ultimately, this is Cristiano Ronaldo and I'm not going to completely write him off. We talk about Cristiano uh, Cristiano Ronaldo a lot on the next edition of BetMUFC, which is a reaction to the interview. I have delayed that for 24 hours to make sure I can get through all of my World Cup content in time. The next team is Denmark at 28 to 1. I think we spoke about them at length and about them being dark horses to finish ahead of France and potentially setting up um, France versus Argentina last 16 as a consequence. So I don't think there's any more point labouring on Denmark. Um, We'll finish up by talking about Uruguay. They, for me, are also a dark horse. Their squad is now very, very strong. Yes, you have the likes of Cavani, Suarez and Godin in there. And uh, these are players who are going to be probably playing their last World Cup. But they also have some big names coming through. When you look at the likes of Valverde and how he's playing for Real Madrid, when you look at Darwin Nunes moving to Liverpool for £85 million, this is a team who are a contender. They are in Portugal's group. Um, One of them is going to win the group and one of them is going to be the runner-up. And that runner-up is going to face Brazil in the round of 16. So that's going to be tough for Brazil. And Brazil already faced a tough group where I don't feel they're going to sail through it and their price is going to shorten here because I think that it's going to be a lot of having to break down teams setting up with a defensive low block which is going to make it difficult uh, for Brazil to win by margin and look like a strong strong favourite here and then they face a tough tie in the round of 16 whether it be Uruguay or Portugal so far from plain sailing for Brazil and of course if everything goes according to script a Brazil-Argentina semi-final also hangs in the balance as well. So they are your outright markets covered. We are going to move on to the top goal scorer. But before we do that, let me take a quick second out to tell you guys about WinBet. WinBet has a ton of markets available for the World Cup. So there really hasn't been a better time to sign up, especially when you look at the current sign-up offer. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds as well, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports bank and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Great promos, odds and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, 
Winbet has what you need to win. And if you're ready to play, the sign-up offer that I just mentioned is here. Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet. That's the perfect way to start your World Cup betting. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, the offer is subject to change. Terms conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let me also take this time out to tell you guys about our World Cup contest this is the SGPN World Cup free roll contest with a $250 cash prize and a $250 gift certificate to the winner. Enter today exclusively on the SGPN app. Make sure to check out all of our World Cup content too. And you can do this by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com or by simply subscribing to the Soccer Gambling Podcast. And finally... Get your holiday shopping done early at the SGPN merch store. SGPN gear is the perfect stocking stuffer for the DGEN in your life. I've already mentioned how I have loads of this stuff. Some of it's four or five years old and it still looks fresh. That's because it's made by top sports manufacturers. And from now until Thanksgiving, you can get 10% off when you use the promo code Dallas Sucks. That's store dot sportsgamblingpodcast.com and the promo code Dallas sucks. So moving back to the futures markets, let's have a look at the top goal scorer for this tournament. For those of you unfamiliar with soccer betting, this may be labelled up as the Golden Boot Award. That's what you get if you are the top goal scorer at the tournament. The market is led by Harry Kane of England who won this in 2018. He's available at 7-1. to one. Keenan Mbappe at 8-1. to one. Lionel Messi at 10-1. to one. Neymar 10-1. to one. Cristiano Ronaldo 16-1. to one. Uh, Letaro Martinez 25-1. to one. Memphis Depay 33-1. to one. Romelu Lukaku 33-1. to one. Vinny Jr. 33-1. to one. Richarlison 33-1. to one. Morata 40-1. to one. Bruno Fernandes, 40 to 1. Gabriel Jesus, 40 to 1. Kai Havertz, 40 to 1. Alexander Mitrovic, 40 to 1. Andre Silva, 40 to 1. Anton Griezmann, 40 to 1. Cody Gakpo, 40 to 1. Darwin Nunes, 40 to 1. Vlajevic, 40 to 1. Fernand Torres, 40 to 1. Karin Adeyemi, 40 to 1. De Bruyne, 40 to 1. Giroud, 40 to 1. Sterling, 40 to 1. Rafinha, 40 to 1. Lewandowski, 40 to 1. Gnabry, 40 to 1. Muller, 40 to 1. Gareth Bell, 50 to 1. Julian Alvarez, 50 to 1. Luis Suarez, 50 to 1. Dybala, 50 to 1. Phil Foden, 50 to 1. Rafael Leal, 50 to 1. Ansu Fati, 66 to 1. And everyone else is 66 to 1 or bigger. So a lot of players there at 40 to 1 or 50 to 1. None of them really attract too much interest from me. Now, I have some names that I am interested in, but first of all, I'm going to rule out some names that I'm not interested in. First of all, Harry Kane. I think England are going to be in a very, very tight and cagey group. Last time Harry Kane scored a vast majority of his goals in the group stage, I'm not sure that's going to be the case this time. I think the game against Wales is going to be tight. I think the game against Iran is definitely going to be tight. There is an opportunity maybe to score a couple of goals against the US, but even in that game, I don't see England scoring three or four. So 
I think it's going to be hard to take Harry Kane. He's also a player who's admitted that he's tired coming into this tournament. And uh, I'm also not high on England going far in this tournament either. So I love Harry Kane. Harry Kane's a really nice person. My son met him a couple of weeks ago at a Tottenham game uh, or at a hotel just before a Tottenham game. But um, I'd like to see him win it, but I don't think that he will. Kim Mbappe's next in the market. I think his chances have improved by the doubts over Karen Benzema. Karen Benzema's not going to play. Karen Benzema is the best player in the world officially. He just won the Ballon d'Or, but I do think without him being there, it adds a little bit more balance in terms of not having to shoehorn him in. It gives you a more natural balance up front and it allows Kylian Mbappe to be the star in an actual attacking position, not in this stupid role that he wants to play behind the strikers. So without Karen Benzema there, the choices are gone. You're going to have to play Kylian Mbappe in his real position and you're probably going to play Olivier Giroud sitting in there to, to do all of the donkey work. That's what Giroud does best. And I do believe that does give France a better chance. And it's hard to say that because, of course, Karen Benzema is Karen Benzema. He's the Ballon d'Or winner. But it hasn't worked since you've tried to shoehorn him in the French side. And ultimately, as I said, I do think this gives Kylian Mbappe a much better chance to win the Golden Boot. Lionel Messi, he will score goals in his tournament, no doubt. I think he'll have his best World Cup, but he's more of a creative player. So to see him here this far in the market, whilst the uh, the number nine of Argentina, Latero Martinez, who scored more goals in than Messi in the group stage, is lower down in the market at 25 to 1. That doesn't make sense to me. I think there's more value on Lataro Martinez, although I do feel that Messi is a contender. The same thing can be said about Neymar. Neymar isn't the number nine. Richarlison is, who's much further down the market. He's available at 33 to 1. So essentially, in both instances, what you're giving me here is bigger odds on two number nines instead of giving me uh, bigger odds on the two creative midfield players who are there to create the assists and to create the openings and to open up stubborn teams. That's what Neymar's there to do. Neymar's there to find that moment of quality that opens up a defence. That's what Messi's there to do as well. Will Messi score four or five goals in this tournament? Will Neymar score four or five goals in this tournament? Yes, but um, the number nines should not be a bigger price than the creative players. And that's what we have here in this market. Cristiano Ronaldo, the jury is out. Now, obviously, this is a player who could score five, six, seven goals and win the golden boot and make his point to Manchester United after Manchester United do inevitably fire him. But I just don't feel that's going to be the case. I've seen Manchester United give Ronaldo a lot of chances on the plate at the start of the season. He hasn't taken him. He got just two goals in the Europa League after starting every single game and missed a plethora of chances. I don't think this is the same Cristiano Ronaldo. Up next, we arrive at Latara Martinez, who I've spoken about. Memphis Depay, he could be a dark horse. I do expect Holland to score goals. They've scored a lot of goals en route to this tournament, and he will have a chance to score goals in the group stage and beyond. I think they'll get through whoever they get from Group B in the round of 16, providing it's not England. And even if it's England, I would lean Holland to win that game, because if England have finished runners-up in Group B, I don't fancy their chances against this Dutch side. I think Holland are going to go through to the quarterfinals and I do think Depay could have five or six goals by that point. Romelu Lukaku's next in the market. I'm not expecting too much from him because I think Belgium will drop out in a round of 16 and I don't even know if he's fit and ready to start the opening game. Vinny Jr., great player. He scored the winning goal for Real Madrid in the Champions League. He's um, he's a 150 to 200 million pound player to buy, but 
he's not a guaranteed starter for Brazil. So you should definitely not be this high up on the market. Morata for, well, Richarlison's next, but we've spoken about Richarlison. Morata's next in the market. He's never going to be the top goal scorer. He's actually the problem for Spain. The fact that Morata starts means Spain can't win this competition. We then reach a, a plethora of players who um, who are in the 40-1 to 1 region who cannot win the golden boot, in my opinion. So I'm looking at the number nines for Argentina and Brazil because I'm expecting those two teams to face each other in the semi-finals. I believe they are on a collision course and en route to that collision, Richarlison and Martinez can both chip in with goals. I also like Kylian Mbappe. He's the shortest priced favourite that I like. This is because of the injury to Karim Benzema. I do believe that the likelihood of Mbappe winning the Golden Boot has increased. Obviously, this is dependent on France doing well in this tournament. If Kylian Mbappe is playing in a team that go out in a round of 16 because they haven't won their group, his chances will be significantly diminished. But if France do go on to win the group, they do go on to get past the round of 16 and they set up a quarterfinal potentially against England. I believe France will be able to win that and they have a very, very good chance then of getting through to the final to meet either Brazil or Argentina if everything plays out that way. So suddenly France with major doubts over them without their first choice midfield with the Ballon d'Or winner being out of the team. I still feel they have a chance of getting through to the final if the draw opens up. And if that's the case, Kylian Mbappe looks a very, very solid bet at the price of 8-1. to one. They would be my strongest leans for the Golden Boot. Now, I think it would be fair to say this isn't a market that I specialise in, especially when it comes to the World Cup. Somebody could score two hat-tricks in the group stage, go out in a round of 16, and they could hold on and still take the Golden Boot as the tournament gets more and more cagey and top players are man-marked out of games. That could happen. We've seen it happen before. We've seen players exit the tournament early yet still win the Golden Boot because they racked up goals in the group stage. That can happen. A name down the bottom at 50-1 to or 66-1 to could win this Golden Boot. So don't go crazy betting this market. Just have a sprinkle to enhance your enjoyment. I don't specialise in golden boot betting. I don't specialise in fantasy leagues or anything like that. I make money betting on soccer matches and trying to determine how teams are going to play and how individuals are going to factor into that, not what individuals as themselves are going to do in these competitions. So I cannot really tell you Ballon d'Or winners or players of the tournaments or who's going to have the most assists or who's going to score the most goals. These are just leans based on my soccer logic and my gut handicapping skills that I'm trying to implement here to handicap this market for you because I know it's one that's going to have a lot of interest. Um, Likewise, I believe there'll be a lot of interest in the golden ball winner. This is the player of the tournament. This is obviously led by Lionel Messi, who's at seven to one. Kylian Mbappe ten to one. Neymar ten to one. Kevin De Bruyne twelve to one. Harry Kane sixteen to one. Vinny Junior twenty to one. Ronaldo twenty five to one. Rafinha twenty five to one. Lautaro Martinez thirty three to one. And then we have that big plethora of forty to one players, much like we had for the Golden Boot. There's not really too much I can say about this one. I believe that Lionel Messi will win it. I believe that Lionel Messi only needs to get through to the semi-final to win it. 
And even if he gets knocked out by Brazil, he will still end up winning this award. Everybody wants to wants to see Messi win the World Cup. If your team is not playing at this tournament, you want to see Messi win the World Cup. If your team is eliminated at this tournament, you want to see Messi win the World Cup. Unless Messi does a hand of God move like Maradona did to England and you just have pure hatred for him as a result then you want Messi to win this World Cup. If you're somebody who's very much a Ronaldo fan and you feel that this will damage Ronaldo's legacy and damage Ronaldo in the GOAT conversation, perhaps you don't want Messi to win this World Cup either. I'm not a fan of people who support players instead of supporting teams, but I can understand if you are a Ronaldo loyalist then I can understand why you don't want Messi to win this World Cup. But I believe many, many people who are on the fence in that Messi-Ronaldo debate now want Messi to cement his status as the go after Ronaldo's interview. I don't think that's helped Ronaldo's popularity at all. I think it shows a lack of self-awareness. I'm going to talk about that over on BetMUFC. I'm going to do a whole episode reacting to that interview with Piers Morgan. But I believe anybody that was on the fence, whether you narrowly lean towards Ronaldo or narrowly lean towards Messi, I believe that a lot of people will be wanting Messi to edge ahead by winning this World Cup. And getting back to my point, just the wanting Messi to do well and then seeing Messi do well, whether it be actually winning the tournament or getting his team through to a semi-final, I believe will be enough because Argentina don't get through to that semi-final unless Messi is playing well, whether that be through creating assists or whether it be by scoring goals. I think it will be a combination of both. And I think that combination of carrying this team through and taking that world record at this tournament, don't forget they only have to remain unbeaten for the first two games to set a world record at this tournament and surpass Italy. I believe that will be enough for Messi to win it. So I would have him here as a shorter favourite. Obviously, the... um, the big threat comes from someone like Kylian Mbappe leading his team to another World Cup, scoring four or five goals, creating goals, being the key man in his team's World Cup victory. Something like that could obviously change things. Same said, same could be said for Neymar. Same could be said for a load of players on this list. Obviously, the danger of the dangers are obvious. A player leading his team to the World Cup, like um, a Diego Maradona-like performance from 1986, will lead you to this gold and ball award but um, other than that I do like Lionel Messi and I do believe that he should be shorter at shorter than seven to one so I do believe there is value here in taking the favorite in this market so that concludes your futures preview I don't believe there is any need to go through any more markets we covered every team extensively in our group group previews so now we are ready for the matches as I said Every 48 hours, I'll be dropping another podcast. I'll be covering every single game right here. And all you have to do to make sure you never miss out on a show is to subscribe to the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Just one more thing I want to touch on before we go. Um, I'm not doing locks on the show. This is because this is a very, very volatile tournament. Now, I take locks very seriously because for me... A one-unit play is a serious thing. I know we have cappers on Twitter who do 20-unit plays and 10-star plays and 5-star plays and 25-unit whales and 
40 unit maxes and all kinds of bullshit like that. For me, that's not a thing. I take my one unit plays very seriously. I take my locks very, very seriously. And we are diving into uncharted waters. We don't know how teams are going to deal with this climate. We don't know how teams are going to deal with the situation with um, with a lack of supporters being there from their actual countries. We've already seen the fake supporters out there, the Qataris dressed up as France fans and Brazil fans and England fans. It's just weird. It's just a weird situation. We also have the um, the human rights issues. Will that be a distraction? We've never had a World Cup before in November. I can't in good conscience just dive in every 48 hours and give a lock and a lock and a lock, and a lock, and a lock. I will give my leans on every single game. I'll make the same effort that I make on every edition of the EPL shows, Commessa Italia, the Champions League show, everything I do to bring you as much detail as possible and then arriving at a play. That's what I do on every single episode where I break down every single game and I will do that through the World Cup, but I cannot guarantee a lock on every single show. I think that's irresponsible. As always, if you want to get all of my official plays, including all of my futures, they are available on my website, lockbetting.com. But that is the reason I am not initially giving out locks. It isn't supposed to be some kind of sales hook to lead you to my site. That is it from me. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.